Hi there, and welcome along to episode 93 of the Jersnet podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast made by the fans for the fans, where every single piece of content that we produce is absolutely free of charge. Remember, it's not just the podcast that we do here at Jersnet, but we have the website with loads of uh, articles, discussion forum, match previews, not so many of them at the moment, of course. Um, and it is all absolutely light on the wallet. Uh, like I say, this is episode 93 of the Jersnet podcast. If you are new to the show, then welcome along. and Thank you for joining us. Um, please do remember that the pod can be downloaded uh, from Monday morning if you're not joining us live. Um, and any likes and subscriptions are always very, very much appreciated. Uh, as is a a wee cheeky share on social media. Um, If you haven't downloaded the pod before, then you can find us over on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBot, Stitcher, and also over on Spotify. So you'll find us next to all your other favourite podcasts. Uh, Of course, there's still no football for us to discuss, although hopefully that looks like it might be changing uh, in the coming weeks, which we'll get on to discuss in a moment. Uh, But we've managed to cobble together a wee bit of an agenda to, to keep the Rangers fix going. So I am delighted to be joined by two stalwarts of the Jersnet podcast scene. First of all is our uh, is our supremo, Stuart Franklin. Frankie, how are you this evening? Oh, very well, Ross, thanks. Uh, evening, everyone. Looking forward to a chat about Rangers. It's, uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been on, so um, we'll see what, what we've got to say about things. Now, you see, Frankie, I remember a couple of years ago um, when, when we had Pete joining us on the show, he used to rub in and the weather was always so good where he was over in Germany that he was having barbecues every week. I hear that you've had your own health conscious spin on a barbecue this weekend uh, the weather's been pretty nice the last few days so it was barbecue time at Shez Franklin uh, yesterday afternoon and uh, uh, unfortunately or fortunately as some folk will say my, my um, wife and two daughters are both vegan or all vegan sorry so um, there was no meat on my barbecue well we will all light a candle for you I'm sure um, also joining us this evening is uh, it's a very, very warm welcome back to the ever-popular Ian Duff. Ian, uh, good evening. How's the weather been down your way this week? Not too bad, actually. We're only in the sort of low, uh, low 30s, so it's been, you know, it's been, it's been okay, but, you know, uh, but yeah, quite enjoyable. Excellent. I mean, obviously, this is a, a purely audio medium, but if you could describe your tan to the listeners, how would you, how would you describe that? Uh, tomato-like, as usual. Excellent. <laughs> you know. Scottish, obviously, you know. No, sure. I mean, that's that's painted that image right in our mind. So thank you very, very much for that. Um, so now that we've got Stuart and, and Ian on the call, um, all that's left for us to do really is, is to launch straight into the uh, the topics. What we're going to do, first of all, is take a wee look at the state of the squad. Um, obviously, over the past few weeks, we have had some transfer dealings. Uh, a couple of shows ago, we talked about Calvin Bassey joining from Leicester. Um now, over the course of the last week, we've also replaced the outgoing Wes Fodringham with John McLaughlin, who's been brought in from Sunderland. Uh, Frankie, I'll start with yourself. Obviously, as a, a Scottish international keeper with a couple of caps in, in the last couple of years, he spent the last uh, two or three seasons down at the Stadium of Light, uh, so playing League One in, in England. Now, I think I'm right in saying he's, he's 32 years old, so probably approaching the twilight of his career though you know what with McGregor at 36 37 whatever it is maybe 32 isn't too old for a goalkeeper nowadays 
do you think that bringing someone in at that age is is he going to be an upgrade on Fodringham? Um, okay, so the, the proof will be in the pudding. Uh, I mean, I feel a bit sorry for Wes. I thought I thought it was pretty underrated by a lot of our fans, and I thought he was a good goalkeeper. Um, unfortunately, not quite as good as, as McGregor. So he was, his chances were always going to be limited. And I mean, other than the sort of old rush of blood to the head for McGregor in terms of red cards. Um, he's, he's, he keeps himself fit. He's rarely injured, so it's um, it was always just the odd appearance for Wes. And I know he was frustrated and wasn't able to play as often as he liked. And, and even worse from his point of view was the fact that when he did come in, he played well. And then obviously, as soon as McGregor was available again, he was back in the team. So I can understand why Wes probably wanted to to move on and or not extend his contract. Um, so that means we have a, obviously have to replace him, and I think um, I think that's quite a good sign. I like McLaughlin. I remember him at Hearts a few years ago. Um, he's a big lad. He's, he commands his box pretty well. I think if there's one weakness McGregor's got, I, I don't think he's that great in the air. McLaughlin's a bit taller, so and a bit more sort of a presence about him. Um, so it does give us a, another option if and when we we do need to to play another goalkeeper. I still don't think it'll be very often that um, that he'll play, but. As McGregor does get older, how many years has he got left? What one more season? Two? I don't know. You could maybe stretch it to three, but I think it's it's probably unlikely. So we now we do need to look at having another goalkeeper, a long term uh, player there for for backup and and to to replace McGregor at some point. And although you might think McLaughlin wouldn't be that person at thirty two years of age, I mean, if you look at McGregor at seven thirty eight, then clearly he could still have five years at Ibrox. So. Um, he signed a two-year contract, and uh, I, I guess we'll see how he does, and, and when, when we start playing again. It was it was an interesting one with Wes because actually I remember doing a podcast about you know about a year ago saying of uh, you know we're, we're very sad to see that Wes will probably be leaving us in the summer, and then it, it kind of surprised us though when he when he never got a move last year. So I'm kind of you know I'm I'm not a fully paid-up member of the goalkeepers' union like yourself, Frankie, but. I do agree with you that Wes was never as bad as some of our fans made out. Um, yes, he was never lightning or an electric goalkeeper, but he, he did a he did a job when he needed to. And um, I think you know we had a, a, a decent replacement keeper sat there on the bench for when McGregor decided to kick out at someone or, or whatever he wanted to do. Um, Ian, how about yourself? I mean, what were your views on on Wes Fodringham, and are you happy to see someone like McLaughlin be be brought up as the as the replacement? Well, like, like both of you, um, I thought Wes was a good keeper and uh, I would have been quite happy to rely on him. Um, but the fact that he's a good keeper probably explains why he's not wanting to sit on the bench. You know, you know, it's one thing if you're an outfield player and you get brought in as a squad player, you're, you're always going to get a chance. But you know, the unlikely event for a goalkeeper, you know, unless unless the, the, the first choice gets... Uh, gets injured then your chances are limited so you know you can see why he would want to go um, and I think if you've got somebody coming in with a bit of experience especially as a goalkeeper you know you don't really want to throw in a, a, a youngster at the deep end um, so it makes perfect sense to have somebody in who's you know, got a bit, of, a bit of international experience knows knows the, the league and, and has played at a reasonable level uh, down south as well so you know makes perfect sense to me uh, to, to bring him in. Whether he's a long-term replacement for McGregor, I would have my doubts. I'm hoping that we've got somebody in mind for that role. Um, 
whether it's internally or looking out to bring someone in. But because um, I mean, the, you know, the goalkeeper is, you know, fundamental to having a successful team. I think you know, you know, all, all our best Rangers teams over the years have had a really strong, uh, strong goalkeeper, and uh, and you know, in fact, it builds the confidence from the back. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think you know definitely makes sense to to bring him in. Whether he's an upgrade or not is you know I don't know. We'll see, um, but hopefully we won't have to rely on him too often because uh, McGregor hopefully will be in form and and will will not uh, get injured or, or any other reason for being left out of the team. Yeah, and it's 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 a slightly strange role that McLaughlin's brought into play. You know, everyone kind of talks about the reserve goalkeeper as a slightly lonely position because you sort of know you're you're going on the bench and, and if all goes well, you're not getting on. So it's a really, it's a strange mentality to be second choice goalkeeper. What slightly worries me, Ian, and, you know, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this. Where do you think that this leaves Robbie McCrory? And, you know, he's, he's someone who's been out on loan past two or three seasons, always got a very, very good write-up wherever he goes. Um, do you think that he might be disappointed sitting there thinking, I could have been that number two to, to McGregor, you know, learn from him and, and get a wee bit more first-team experience and take over in the next season or two? Well, I think, the, I mean, that, that was kind of what I was alluding to, but I wonder whether, you know, him staying for another year on the bench, I don't think he would want to do that either. I think at his, at his age, he needs to be building up the experience and, and getting games regularly. So if, if he is considered to be the, the long-term replacement, um, then, you know, another season on loan um, where he can, you know, hopefully prove that he, he, is, uh, he is, has the potential to be the replacement is a, is a good thing because if he's sitting on the bench, okay, he's, he's in training, but he's not really getting the opportunity to, to show what he can do. So, you know, if, if he's out there playing every week, I'm sure the reports come back and they're checked and the videos are watched and all the rest of it, then uh, then he's got the chance to impress. And then, you know, maybe in a year or two when McGregor does uh, finally retire or, or scale it back a bit, then he'll be in a prime position to take over. I think there was talk of others being interested in him down south and uh, whether, you know, that might be tempting for him. He, he, might, he might see that as, a, as a, another option, especially, I suppose, the the money would probably be decent as well, so you know we might we might be taking a bit of a risk by by not giving them the chance now. But it all depends on how they've discussed it with them, I suppose, and, and whether there is a plan set out in front of them or, or or not. You know, it's all about the communication, I guess, with them. Yeah, I think that's the important thing is that, um, as as Frankie says, being a goalkeeper is it is fundamental to the success of the, of the club. Um, but you know that there is one jersey. Every every other position, pretty much, there's there's competition, and and you know that you've got a decent chance of getting a starting spot. But with a goalkeeper, um, if you're third choice, it takes a real kind of turn of events for you to be getting a, a run in. So I don't know. It must be a. Di- I think it just must be a difficult one for him to take. I think he would have sat there thinking, this year I'm I'm on the bench most games. Um, you know, it must be frustrating, and and what with the, the reports of the talent that everyone says he has, then you just hope that it's not too much of a, a risk to bring someone else in and potentially upset uh, the talent that we have internally. Um, which actually was a fairly seamless segue there into looking at the state of the the, the younger side of the squad 
Frankie, because something that has frustrated uh, myself and a lot of the listeners over the past couple of years is the, the maybe a lack of a pathway from the youth academy through into the first team. Um, and we've seen a number of players who were meant to be close to making that step from under-21s or reserves into the first team, such as your uh, Ryan Hardy's, your Zach Ruddens, have, have all left the club. Now, this week, we've seen Stevie Kelly being loaned out again, yet again, for another loan spell. He's gone up to Ross County. So he's staying in, in the Premier League, um, but is, is still not going to be making first-team football for Rangers this season. Um, a lot of people are saying Stevie Kelly could be featuring in the first team this season off the bench, particularly as you know, he's, a, he's an attacking player. He's a creative player. We've sometimes struggled for creativity over the past couple of years, to be fair. Um, and a lot of our more creative attacking players, your Jermaine Defoe, Scott Arfield, maybe um, even Stephen Davis, the players that you look to play that pass or make that run to, to really break down teams, the legs are starting to go and they're getting a wee bit older. So for Stevie Kelly to be loaned out to Ross County, to me is a little bit disappointing that he won't be having a, a run at the first team this year. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Ah, he's a, a player whenever I've watched him, I've been quite impressed as well. He, he, he plays with a lot of energy. Um, he's good in the ball. He can strike a ball. He's scored some crackers for, for air when he's been on loan. And any time he's, he's played, what, two or three times, I think, for the first team for us. And and um, he's, he's showed up pretty well, actually. And uh, he's, he's, but I think I think a loan move is still a good idea. I don't think he's going to be playing often enough or would be playing often enough to really develop him properly. So I think I think it makes sense to to try and get him away for an, another year, um, even or even six months um, if necessary. If he's doing well at Ross County, I mean it's a, it's a, a step up for him into the into the Premier League from the, the championship last season where he played for Ayr. So um, he's got a lot of a lot of um a point to prove as well. I mean I think he mentioned in it in, in interview on Rangers TV that he's the gaffer told him that he's got to go and do that exactly that and, and show that he's good enough to play for Rangers and and um, I, I think I think he's he's got that talent. I mean, I was just having a look through before the show that some of the the, the, the sort of uh, development squad graduates that have played in recent years and, and we've kind of struggled to really for, for any of them to play more than a handful of games. I mean, Glenn Middleton and Ross McCrory are the only sort of only the few, few in the last sort of. What, five years, could you say? I mean, even Middleton, I mean, he came for, was it Norwich? So he didn't really come through our system. Uh, Ross McCurry's done a bit better, but clearly he sort of fell out the picture under Gerard to a certain extent. You've still got Jamie Barjonas there, who's, I think, he's got another year's contract, but um, I don't know if he'll be, how often he'll feature. I mean, the one, the one thing, and this goes back to John McLaughlin as well, is, is that but chances are we're going to have a lot more games this season, especially at the start of the season. So it might well be that there's there's guys on the on, on sort of fringe side, guys like Bird Jonas and McLaughlin might play a bit more often than what you would normally expect. Um, but it's it's I mean if you, if you look at guys like I don't think Sky Kenny signed a new contract yet. I don't think so. And you've got Nathan Patterson. These guys, I think we've got to try and get them into the team at some point. Josh McPakes and other uh, Deborah Mabudi. So the, the talents there. The difficulty at Rangers is is playing them often enough that they can develop it because our fans are fickle. Um, a, a young player, Tara McKay is a good example. Sort of across the sort of last ten years or so, um, clearly talented young laddie. But if he isn't he doing it week in week out, the fans tend to to quickly get on his back. And and uh, 
that, that that's tough for young lads, and it's it's something that they have to sort of really build on um, and try and find. And, and a, a, the better way of doing that is is, is on loan, to be honest, because they've got to be playing a bit more often and trying to achieve a level of consistency, which you can't really do at Rangers if you're only playing once a month, something like that. So, generally speaking, with regards to Kelly, I think the loan move is the right the right deal at this point in time but I do think um, and I hope that, that he'll be back soon and, and, and playing in a Rangers jersey So you brought up some some good examples there of, of players who have you know come close to making a successful breakthrough Glenn Middleton's first five games were exquisite um, Ross McCrory looked like he could be a kind of long term answer to a bit of grit in the midfield Ian, realistically, neither of those two players have have really gone on to make themselves indispensable Rangers players, as demonstrated by the fact that they spent last season out on loan. Um, and they just you, you get the sense that Steven Gerrard doesn't really tend to rate them or see them as, as long-term prospects. Now, the point that I'm trying to make is that this seems to be happening with all of our most promising academy graduates of the last two or three years Um is that they don't make that step up to the first team level. And that's because obviously we need to be performing at the most elite level in Scottish football. Um, but does it perhaps uh, fill you with some trepidation or uh, some fear as to actually what's going on at the academy if we're unable to consistently generate youth products that that can make the grade at Rangers um, and, and ultimately it leaves us in a position where we have to buy in all of our talent? Well, I mean, in an ideal world, we'd be producing 11 first-team players uh, that they would start every game and uh, they would all be coming through the academy. But there aren't that many clubs in the world that are, are at that level, certainly not clubs that are aspiring to win trophies every season. Uh, so the reality is that maybe you get one, two, every couple of seasons breaking through into the first team. That would, that would be the ideal um, at the moment, we're not really even getting that, which is disappointing. But you know, it's when when you look at the players that everyone's been sort of shouting for to get into the first team over the last, well, as long as I can remember, really, uh, dating way back to the the early nineties. Um, how many of them, after they left Rangers, have gone on to set the world alight? Um, you know, probably. You know, maybe two or three. You could you could say have had hugely successful careers after they've they've gone on from uh, from Ibrooks. Now that could that could easily be because we are not developing them properly. Maybe that is the case, but you know it might just be that they're just not good enough. Um, now that that again is is it the case that we're not develop we're not finding the talent properly and we're not developing it, or is it the fact that there just isn't the talent out there to to, to bring in that we that we can attract. So there's a lot of questions to be asked. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of focus, I think, going on in the academy side of things just now, and it's more of a longer term uh, project, I suppose, in term well, medium term project. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's always a tough one because you know these young guys have to go out on loan. Because you know if you if you look at uh, Stephen Kelly, for instance, I mean he, he he's been playing it. Air now it's a massive step up to go from Air United into the Rangers first team, so it makes perfect sense for him to go into the next level up, which is uh, playing at a, 
uh, another uh, Premiership club uh, and then seeing if he can do it there. And if he does, then 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 that's maybe the, the point where we say, well, does he deserve a chance? And uh, I suppose the, the good example of that is, uh, is Ryan Hardy, who, who a lot of people thought after he'd sort of done quite well at Livingston, he would get a chance at Rangers. And uh, did he, he came back in December last year, did he? I can't remember the transfer window. But... Um, but you know, for whatever reason, it's just not worked for him either. So, you know, I don't think we should be playing players if the manager doesn't think they're up to it. But at the same time, you know, uh, we need to just keep plodding away and, and giving them the chances that we can, and and hopefully, uh, and hopefully, we'll get a, a gem. We'll start getting them a bit more regularly, and one or one or two sort of coming through on a regular basis. Then, then, you know, perfect. Well, I think I think that's the frustration, isn't it? That um, we are surely going to be one of the destinations of choice for young developing footballers in Scotland. We have the best facilities in the country for developing young players, um, and you'd like to think that we have the best coaching staff to to coach players to get to the highest level. Um, and yet, it just never really seems to happen. And that's. Uh, to be honest, throughout my lifetime, I think that's pretty much been a, a feature of being a Rangers fan is that we don't have enough of our homegrown players breaking through. And in a in a world now, in an economy where we're going to be priced out of a lot of markets because of the lack of money available in Scottish football, we can't really go shopping for young prospects in England anymore. Um, it's, it's just another little source of frustration that we don't seem to be generating these players ourselves. But, you know... I, I don't think any of us really know enough about the the ongoing um, coaching structure or, or, or how these things are coached at the academy to to pinpoint why it is that we don't seem to be able to do that. It's just that when you know this is then set against the background of bringing in a thirty two year old in John McLaughlin, when perhaps we could have had our our, our own homegrown backup goalkeeper sat there ready to go. It's it, it, again, it just seems like a slightly strange position to find ourselves in. What I will say though is that. With the signing of McLaughlin and with uh, Calvin Bassey a couple of weeks back, everything caught us by surprise. Us as fans caught the media by surprise. No one had a sniff that this was coming um, until Rangers Twitter pretty much announced it and, and put the articles and the interviews on the website. So the media have had absolutely no idea, Frankie, about our transfer dealings until they are signed and sealed and presented in a Rangers shirt. Now, first things first, is that a good thing for us, the fans? Is it a good thing for the club? But second of all, what do you think Rangers have had to change in order to stop these leaks or stop transfer dealings leaking out to the media ahead of time? Um, I'm not convinced Rangers have changed anything. I think, if anything, it's maybe just the, 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 the pandemic stuff. I mean, normally you'd have journalists and photographers kind of camped out at Ibrox fairly regularly if they got a sniffier story. Clearly, that probably isn't the case as much. Um, I mean, they're still getting photographs and, and, and interviews with Rangers players and uh, coming through for, for, for training over the last fortnight. But in terms of, of, of the actual stories and rumours, there isn't as many as there not, normally is, that's for sure. So maybe they've tightened up. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think every journalist has their contacts, has has players that, that are friendly to them. Um I think guys like Kenny Miller, for example, Barry Ferguson, these guys always had friends of journalists that would always give them a good press. 
it's also probably in return for the odd tip bit here or there. So if you're trying to stop that, then I think you're probably going to struggle. I think that's always going to happen. Um, in terms of if the other part of your question a little bit whether fans will be happy with it, I think I think they will. I think there's a popular movement at the minute to try and sort of sideline the mainstream media, if you like, and, and go towards the fan media. And I've seen some of that with uh, with Heart and Hand and, and uh, Stevie at Four Lads with uh, interviewing uh, Hadji, uh, James Bisgrove, and, and then obviously they were sitting in on a... a Stephen Gerrard press conference the other day as well, so I'm pretty pleased to see that. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, I think we all enjoy to a certain extent the, the, the sort of silly season when the transfer window opens and, and you've got a month of daft stories every single day about being linked to player X, Y and Z, and I think we all enjoy that to a certain extent. I don't think that will change. Um, it's just whether or not it's if, if they get lucky now and again. I mean, I, I noticed that that McLaughlin was on a free transfer the other day there and didn't want to extend his contract. And I, I did think oh, maybe Rangers would would be interested, but I must admit I didn't have any inkling at all that he was going to sign. I didn't even bother texting anybody because I didn't think it would happen. And so it was a bit of a pleasant surprise when when they, when the um, when Rangers confirmed it. And like you said, nobody expected it at all. So it was good to see that. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's I, I think it's a it's a positive, um, but at the same time, it's never going to stop rumours and. I think if if it's a, a guilty pleasure for all of us, isn't it really? No, it is, and and actually that kind of brings us quite nicely onto the next segment, which is that in the absence of any kind of more firm or structured transfer rumours, Frankie. I mean, where do you think that we need to be strengthening the squad next? I mean, we've addressed the goalkeeper position. We brought in the, the lad from Leicester as a fullback. Um, where do you want to see us addressing the squad next? I think um, I, I think we need another. Another striker. Um, I, I think there were rumours today in the Sunday Post about Camberry getting his loan extended, but uh, they quickly t- t- took that story down. So obviously there can't have been much in that. But as it stands, we've only got Morelos and Defoe. Um, Defoe was injured before the pandemic started, but I'm assuming it's fit again. But apparently Morelos is training on his own at the minute because he's picked up a, a, a wee knock. So it just shows you how how short we are in that department. So I think we really need to. To uh, to be to be looking at a striker as a priority. Clearly, we've signed James Graham for Ross County, who's uh, an exciting prospect, and uh, I think King Will Holland rates him very highly, which is why we, we why we probably had a predco quo in terms of uh, Kelly maybe going in the opposite direction to, to to get that deal over the line. So, but we we need we do need another striker. I mean, I like Defoe. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's got a lot to to learn. Our younger players like James Graham. Um, However, I, I, I do think we need somebody that's that's mobile, somebody that can do the job, a similar job to what Morelos does. does. I think Camberry did, did well in, in his sort of month or two on loan. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that, uh, about him as a permanent signing. I wouldn't be too unhappy if he did come, but I still think we need quality um, over quantity um, in terms of our, our dealings this, this year. So um, a striker for sure. Um, Similarly, probably on on the on the right hand side, I think we need somebody to to really nail down that position uh, when we play this this sort of four two three one or your four three three. But we, um, I don't think we've ever really replaced the the sort of industry and hard work of Daniel Candias, and we've had a few folk play there over the last sort of year since Candias left. I mean, uh, Hadji's played there, Aribo's played there. 
and they've done well to a certain extent, but not consistently well. And I think Hadji especially will, will probably look to him play him a bit more central. Um, Aribo as well probably a bit deeper. So I think um, I think a right midfielder has to be high on 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 a list of, of priorities. Um, but as, as we just talked about, it's it's there's there's not a huge amount of rumours going about in terms of. Um, solid stuff. So I'd be interested to see if we do do bring any of these guys in. Absolutely, Ian. How about yourself? If you're uh, if you're Ross Wilson, director of football at Rangers, and you've got your your contact book in front of you, what position are you desperate to fill? Well, I think as Frankie says, we need uh, to strengthen an attack, and I think we're seeing exactly the same thing this time last year. Uh, I think we could all see looking ahead the potential. Problems if uh, if we had issues with uh, Morelos being out for for whatever reason, uh, then you know relying entirely on Defoe was always going to be always going to be risky, and uh, and that's kind of how it panned out a, a, a bit. Um, so yeah, we need we need backup uh, for for the, the front line. Um, we also, I mean, we have to consider the possibility that Morelos might be going anyway. Um, I don't know how how likely that is, but I mean, the sort of the mood music is going around sort of seems to to be suggesting that maybe that's a possibility. If that is the case, then obviously that you know, that ramps things up a bit more in terms of who we, we need to bring in because um, we need a, a first choice striker. Then and I think the guys we've been talking about aren't necessarily going to be first choice uh, players. You know, uh, London Dykes, for instance. Uh, for, you know, talking about two million pounds for him, but I mean, uh, I think that's a lot to pay for somebody who I don't think would be a first choice in the current squad. Um, and the the guy from Charlton, uh, uh, Taylor again. I mean, don't know an awful lot about him, but I don't I don't again see him as being a replacement for Morelos. So you know, you would be if he was to go, then we'd be looking at a completely different um, set of circumstances and a whole different type of player. Um, whether you you would think you would hope that if if he was to go and uh, then then they've they've identified potential replacements for him um, and there's been a few names thrown about um, on, on those in that sort of circumstance so so yeah forward whatever the situation is with Morelos we need a, a forward and have a sort of inkling that maybe Barisic might be on his way as well possibly so you know and he, you know whether or not Bassi would be a, a first you know, Replacement for him, uh, I don't know, um, uh, you know, or whether he would still be a backup when we need another left back uh, to to go in there, and uh, you know, I think we always need uh, uh, to look at somebody to play on the right as well uh, to as backup for Tavernier. Um, so yeah, there's you know uh, quite a few positions, but I think I read that uh, Gerard's talking about bringing players in to strengthen the first eleven. Uh, rather than just uh, bringing in squad players, so you know, we, you know, he's obviously got a couple of positions that he feels need to be strengthened uh, in the first eleven. So, um, you know, so that that'd be quite interesting to see who, who that would mean going out and who who would be bringing in if if he's got the the players in mind. Well, that's that's a very important point: is the outgoings as well as the incomings. You know, I, and I'm glad you mentioned Barisic because on paper. You know, behind Morelos, Barisic is our most valuable asset. Surely, he's our most valuable commodity in terms of you've got a, 
a starting left back for the runners up at the most recent World Cup. So, um, you know, if, if if he goes, then the left back is probably a priority area to to replace. But with that, there comes the kind of implied budget of, of of whatever we sold him for. We should be able to replace someone for a significant a significant amount. Um. But I completely agree that the, the, the forward and the advanced positions are very important. I think we could do more at centre mid as well. I feel that Davis and Arfield are not what they once were. Uh, and Ryan Jack, I felt, blew hot and cold a wee bit last season. Um, so someone else to come in and, and strengthen the midfield maybe wouldn't wouldn't go amiss. But I think Gerard, as, as you say, Gerard has identified that he needs to strengthen his first team squad because we we ran Celtic close for the first half of the season and then fell away. And that's because our squad wasn't strong enough. So uh, I, I am glad to see that um, Gerard has identified that and can accept that and is, is actively looking to, to strengthen before we return to, to football, which again seamlessly moves us on to the next topic of conversation, which is in fact that return to football. Um, now, there have been some, some rumours flying around in the last couple of days, uh, some articles in um, everyone's favourite newspapers, The Record and The Sun, uh, that allegedly Rangers and Celtic have both been invited over to play a football tournament in uh, Lyon in France, uh, apparently taking place next month. Um, Rangers, Celtic and a few French teams, a couple of other teams from around Europe, apparently going to play a friendly tournament uh, into which they would let 5,000 spectators uh, attend each match. Now, Ian, first things first, Rangers aren't even back in full contact training at the time of uh, of recording this. I think they're going back into contact training tomorrow. Given the fact that we would have to stick our whole team, plus subs, plus backroom staff, the whole circus that goes with that on a plane, transport them to France and then stick them in a hotel. Um, given the fact that we are still currently living through a global pandemic, is, is that even a good idea? Well, you would trust that they would be doing things properly um, and, you know, the, the appropriate um, precautions would be taken. Um, uh, yeah, I, I personally don't think that, for me, would be a, a major issue. We're going to have to uh, play the second leg of the, uh, the Europa League game uh, in Germany um, and potentially, uh, if that... Uh, if we're successful in that game, go through to um, potentially a, a similar sounding sort of uh, competition in, in Germany. So, you know, we're going to have to do that um, anyway. Um, I think, I think you know, the, we need match practice um, clearly, uh, not just for the Europa League, but just to get going for next season because the players haven't really done anything for five or six months by the time the the, the season kicks off again. Um, you know, we're watching 30-odd team uh, leagues around Europe at the moment, um, all playing. Uh, Scotland not, but that's another story altogether. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think the, the risks are probably, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, coronavirus, are probably quite small. Uh, I'm sure the, the, all the, the precautions would be taken. Um, we're not going to be going on a a holiday flight, you would hope, uh, where hundreds of other people, the, the, cl the club, the players would all be going together, they'd be isolated, they'd, they'd be in a, a hotel that's presumably uh, completely safe. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have too many concerns about that. Um, so I just think, you know, I, do, I would have concern, other concerns, which we might come to, about uh, the fact that 5,000 fans are going to be allowed in, that's a, another issue altogether. But, um, but, yeah, in terms of the players, I think, you know, that's a... Uh, 
I think that you know that's just one of these things we're just going to have to deal with. If it's not good on a plane, they're going to have to get on a bus and go somewhere else and stay in a hotel and, and play against uh, other teams in, in the UK. So yeah. I suppose that's that's a very good point, Ian. Is that we presumably we have to do something. I mean, Frankie, we're expected in a, a few weeks' time, or start of August, I think we're expected to travel to play one of the strongest teams in Germany, who have just finished their season by playing, you know, close to ten matches over the last six weeks or so um, against some of the strongest teams in Europe. We've not kicked a ball in anger for five months, and we're expected to go and, and give them a game. So. With that being said, you know Ian's obviously kind of alluding to the fact that we, we need some kind of match practice and, and and even fitness or match sharpness training. What do you think, Frankie, that that pre-season this season realistically will will look like for a club like Rangers, where you know there's still significant restrictions in Scotland in terms of movement of people. Um, we are considerably behind other leagues in Europe as well, so other leagues in Europe that have restarted already. What do you think that that means for a club like Rangers trying to cobble together some kind of pre-season schedule? It's very tricky and I must admit I don't envy um, those at the club that are, are responsible for for uh, for sorting all that out. But I mean, we need to do it um, and uh, we need to play games. We're playing Leverkusen, we need to take that match seriously. The chances of winning it and going through, unlikely, but at the same time, Leverkusen won exactly fantastic in the games that they've played so far. Um, it's in, in the, the German football restart, so you, you can never say never. They might also lose one or two players before the the, the, the game when we play them. So, as I say, we, we need to make sure that we are that we are we're, we're, we're ready, fit, and ready to, to to take them on and, and to to give our best. And I mean, I, I I do worry to a certain extent about player motivation. Um, I mean, one of the big reasons for for being a football player is, is not just to play the sport you love, but is to play in front of big crowds and, and, and great atmospheres. And as it stands, we've, we've not got that anywhere in, the, in world football. And I don't think we're going to be having that anytime soon. Certainly not for, well, probably Christmas, I'd say at the very earliest. So, um, but at the, same, at the same token, Rangers players are, are played handsomely, yeah, tens of thousands of pounds a week for some of them. So the least that we, we can expect is for them to, to, uh, to be fit uh, and to be ready and to go and play no matter the situation. It is difficult. I'm, I'm not going to pretend otherwise. And um, I, I, like I said at the start there, I, I do have some sympathy, but at the same time, our fans are, I think what we're talking about, 35,000 fans have just renewed your season ticket. I, I renewed mine a couple of weeks ago, £465 uh, to no go and see any games for effectively a a Sky Sports subscription, so I think I think the players have got to be or should be well aware of that uh, loyalty coming from their supporters. I mean, uh, they did defer their wages. Uh, the players, I don't know if uh, I can't remember how long it was for, which was very welcome in terms of the um, the profit loss account uh, for the club. But at the same time, they've not lost any money either or won't be losing any money. Whereas a lot of our fans have all been guys that are on furlough, um, etc. The guys that, are, that that have maybe two or three season tickets in their household, they've got to be shelling out the best part of fifteen hundred quid, two grand, again for a glorified Sky Sports subscription. So there's there's a lot to to sympathise with, and and I, and I understand that, and I and I, but at the same time I expect our club to to be at the at the forefront of dealing with the, with the situation. 
and I expect their players to be well up for it. And it doesn't matter if, if we're playing Leverkusen or if we're playing uh, Hamilton and Aki's, we really need to, to get off to a good start uh, this season and uh, and really take it to, to Celtic for the for the very uh, beginning. See, I'm glad that you mentioned the, uh, the the passion and the commitment that have been shown by Rangers supporters. I mean, 36,000 season ticket renewals at a time like this when people's finances have been, you know, severely hampered, when there's no football to be seen, uh, you know, live in the stadium. It's, it's, it's staggering. It's absolutely incredible. And, and yet it's nothing short of what was expected. Now, the passion that we have for Rangers... Is, is not in question. But we're now faced with this position where we are expected next month to be playing uh, this tournament in France. Um, we took, Ian, we took 4,000 people to Leipzig in January for a friendly. Uh, and that was when we hadn't had any football for three weeks. We now haven't had any football for three, four months now. Um is there a concern, I think you were alluding to a couple of moments ago, is there a concern in your mind perhaps that Rangers fans will travel, will find themselves in, in a town where presumably restaurants and bars and everything may be open but restricted or, or a, a little bit more locked down than they might otherwise be and we'll find ourselves there with a pack of Celtic fans as well. I mean, does that maybe spell a recipe for trouble for you? Well, I mean, the, the first element of it, you know, potentially could, could be a problem uh, in terms of, you know, just the fact that people would be having basically been locked up for five months, uh, given given that freedom. But, I mean, certainly the, the more concerning element of it would be you know, that and Rangers and Celtic supporters being in the same city uh at the same time, with the same circumstances, I think that would be a, you know, that would just be insane. Um, and I don't, uh, you know, that, that that would be my biggest concern about this whole whole thing is that, um, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, the potential there for for problems is uh, is is so evident that you know you would you would hope that any idea of it happening would be would be nipped in the bud in advance whether whether you could or not i don't know i mean if they open up the the ground to to supporters i don't know how they would be able to stop people traveling i'm not sure what the the traveling restrictions will be by that time but you know it may well be that you know there's uh, there's still uh, quarantine uh, in place uh, before uh, before that may not have been lifted by the time that uh, that game happens, so or that that competition happens, so so maybe that would be a way, a way of restricting it. But I think you know the you know, potential there for for uh, bad things to happen is is pretty obvious. Um, and you know it's all very well to say you know you can trust people to behave, but you know we've, we've seen in the past that it doesn't take much for uh, for things to flare up and and, and not even necessarily wouldn't be as, as bad as uh, it might look, but, it, you know, it could easily be made to look very bad. So, you know, it, it's a risk I, I wouldn't want to be seen to be taken. But, uh, you know, if it was just strangers playing, uh, going on their own, then, you know, that would pose its own problems, but I don't think it would be a major issue. I think most people would, uh, would, would you know, follow the rules and, and behave themselves. But, uh, you know, the potential, if there's rival sets of supporters there, then, uh, you know, that, you know in some ways, it doesn't be a thing to it. 
Yeah, and we should we should say obviously this hasn't this is all speculation at the moment and, yeah. and hasn't been confirmed. Um, but I think Ian, those are all very very legitimate and and well reasoned and well put forward points. Now, Frankie, uh, I, I'm not sure if you agree or disagree with that, but is there anything maybe that the club could do in order to mitigate that risk in any way? I think it's um, it's pretty impossible for the club. I mean, when it comes to to um, monitoring who travels to these games, I mean, you can you can be careful um, with regards to who who gets tickets. And I think we've done that pretty well in recent years. However, even last season we've had issues with UEFA again. I think away in Braga, for example. Um, so, does it make sense, or is it to to go to? France and have a, a, a tournament where Celtic supporters are going to be there. Uh, like you guys, I'm not entirely convinced. Um, but again, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I've not looked into traveling. I mean, I've, I've not left my house or the sort of Edinburgh area for the East Lothian area for the last three or four months. So um, it wouldn't even be in my mind to, to travel to France. But you're, there's no doubt about it. There, some Rangers fans will. They'll jump in a car and try and get, get to, to France that way. So it's not just like you're saying. Try and avoid people getting flights and or, or ferries. I mean, you've got the Channel Tunnel. I mean, I, I don't know the restrictions at the border just now. I don't know how easy it is to get into into France or out of France. Um, but if if there's a Rangers game in Lyon, you can be sure there's going to be several hundred at least Ranger fans there, no matter how difficult um, the situation is with the, with the pandemic. And it does worry to me an extent. And I. I, I Again, I've got a bit of sympathy for the club, but you, you can't stop people travelling. You can monitor who gets tickets and try and stop certain people getting tickets, but you won't put people off going and you won't, you can't stop people selling tickets in pubs in these places, etc. Uh, beforehand. So um, I think you've, all you can do is, is try and prove to UEFA that you've done as much as you can. And uh, I, I think they're, they're, they're usually pretty sympathetic in that regard um, so I think it's just another case of, of trying our best to minimise the amount of people that go and uh, and when they are there that we've got good security over there with us to to, to, to ensure that our fans are, are well pleased. I mean the vast majority as always they travel and they do a great job of uh, representing uh, Rangers Football Club There's, we always have one or two uh, misguided guys that will let us down and it happens um, and all we can do is try and Try and minimise it as a club, and it's it's difficult. And um, again, uh, let's just hope they're, they're on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Rangers have a, a wonderful history of of following their club across across the world. You know, whether it's um, a pre-season game or in Lyon, or it's the UEFA Cup in Ufa, or it's a mid-season friendly uh, with. Jimmy Nicol having his photo taken with SpongeBob SquarePants in Florida. We will take thousands of folk. That's 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 what we do, and that's who we are. Um, we have been starved of football. We have been starved of Rangers over the last few months. Um, so people will travel. People will want to go and be part of that, and I, I fully understand that. I'm where I live. I'm an hour and a half away from the Channel Tunnel. It's it's easier for me to get to France than it is for me to get to Scotland. So I would I would consider travelling. Um, you just have to hope that these things are thought through properly, and that you know we we don't find ourselves in in as much trouble as as you could think that we might do. Because ultimately, if the media get their hands on that, then it's 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 game over, isn't it? Um, 
listen, gents, I appreciate we've gone for 45 minutes now and uh, in the absence of, of football, in the absence of talking about the shambles of the SPFL, that's that's not bad going. So I think what we'll probably do is we'll probably uh, wrap things up there. Um, before we do, it would be remiss, remiss of me not to mention um, and, and pass on the best wishes of, of everyone at Jersnet uh, to, to PC David White. David is uh, a lifelong Rangers fan who was sadly severely injured uh, whilst carrying out his, his duties as a police officer in the incident that took place on, on West George Street through the week there. Um, so for, from myself and, and from Frankie and Ian and everyone else at Jersnet, we just want to pass on um, our, our thoughts and our best wishes for a, a speedy recovery to, to David and his family. Um, now, thank you very much to everyone who's, who's listened and who's been getting involved in the show over on YouTube. Uh, as I say, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do do so wherever you get your podcast from and, and maybe leave us a wee like and comment as well. Uh, the show will be back next week when we will be one week closer to the return of football, whenever that may be. Uh, hopefully we'll have a few more details about potential tournaments in France as well to discuss. Uh, so hopefully you'll be able to join us same time, same place. That's next Sunday at 9.30. Um, other than that, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk and if you haven't done so already, sign yourself up for the friendly discussion forum there. Other than that, please do stay safe and please do look after yourselves. Uh, and until next time, goodbye for now.